We're in John 8 this morning. John 8, verses 31 through 59. As we come to this passage this morning, we see a liberating Savior. In fact, if you back up several messages, we see a satisfying Savior. One who says, come to me, all you who thirst, and be satisfied. Last week we saw an illuminating Savior. I am the light of the world. He who comes to me will not walk in darkness. This week we see a liberating Savior. As we work our way through this passage this morning, we'll see the proselytes, the pretentious, the proud, and the provoked. First thing we see this morning in verses 31 to 32 is the proselytes. You may remember last week as we ended our message, as we ended our time together, we came to verse 30. John 8:30 ends this way, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Jesus is standing at the temple, he is preaching. He is proclaimed before them, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In the course of his conversation with the religious leaders, with the crowd that has gathered around him there at the temple, as we come to the end of that conversation, verse 30, many believed in him. But it doesn't end there. See, as we come to verse 31, it goes on. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. As Jesus speaks here in verse 31 and 32, he's speaking to a very particular subset of the larger crowd who is gathered around him. He's speaking specifically to those who believed. It's similar to at the end of a message here. I will say, those of you who who do not know Christ, who have not placed your faith in Christ, I will give an invitation. And then I will say to those of you who are in Christ, those of you who have believed, I'm speaking to a very particular group, those who have placed their faith in Christ. Here in this passage, Jesus is speaking to the Jews and the crowd before him, those from verse 30, those who have believed. He speaks to them, if you abide in me, those of you who have believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word. If you abide. See, there's no picking or choosing. Jesus is either the whole truth, or he's wholly empty of the truth. Faith does not pick and choose. Saving faith commits. Saving faith endures. You can't take this part about me that you like and just dismiss this part about me that you don't like. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, notice that salvation is not based on abiding in Christ, but abiding in Christ is dependent on salvation. It doesn't say, if you abide, then you will be saved. But if you abide, you have been saved. If you abide, you are. It's already happened. Abiding in Christ 
is the sign of your salvation. D.A. Carson puts it this way, perseverance is the mark of real faith. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This statement here, verse 32, becomes the theme of this whole passage. It is, in fact, this statement that the crowd will pick up and react to in verse 33. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Those who know the truth cannot keep living in a lie. As you know the truth, as you grow in the truth, you will be set free. You've been set free from the condemnation for your sin. You will be continually set free from the power of sin as you abide in me. As you live in the truth, as you grow in the truth. Sin will have less and less power over you. As you live more and more and grow more and more in the truth. Jesus is talking here about sanctification. He's talking about sanctification. You will know the truth if you abide in me, if you follow my teaching, if you keep following me. You will know the truth and that truth will continually make you free. These are the proselytes, verse 31 and 32. These are those who have believed. As you come to verse 33, though, you're, you're met with kind of a, an issue here. Verse 33 starts with they. And the big question is, well, who is the they of John 8, 33? Because whoever the they is in John 8, 33, Jesus goes on to be very negative about them in the rest of this passage. In fact, he goes on to call them sons of the devil. So who are they? Is this the, the, those in verse 31 and 32 who believed? Is it not a real faith? Is it just a, a fake, a, a weak faith? We've seen that. That wouldn't be the first time in the book of John. right? We saw that at the end of chapter 2. When many believed in Jesus, but it says, but Jesus didn't believe in him because they didn't really believe in him they were just enamored with his works with his miracles some people will make that case here they will say that they of verse 33 is those in verse 30 31 and 32 those who believed but they didn't really believe i don't think that is the case number one because there's no miracle in this passage Jesus has forgiven a woman of her sins. Jesus has made a statement, I am. So if they're not believing in Jesus, what does it mean when it says they believed in Jesus? Because he hasn't done a work. He hasn't done a miracle. So what did they believe if they didn't believe in Jesus? I would say that those in verse 30, 31, and 32, there might be some in this subset that didn't really believe, but I think that Jesus is really speaking to people who really believed in him. He's encouraging them, abide in my word. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But we have to remember that this passage doesn't start in verse 31. It starts way back at the beginning of the chapter. 
Jesus is talking to a much larger crowd, and those who believe are just a subset of that crowd. And as Jesus is speaking to this crowd, yet he's speaking to that subset, and he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They, verse 33, is the they of verses uh, 12 through 29. It's the larger crowd. It's the religious leaders in that crowd. They pick up on what Jesus is saying to a specific subset, and they say, well, wait a second, what are you saying? They don't get it, because they haven't believed. And so they answer him. Those who opposed him answering, answer him. They answer him, we are Abram's descendants. This is where we come to our second point, verses 33 to 47. The pretentious. Don't you know who we are, Jesus? Don't you know who we are? How dare you talk to us like this? We are Abram's descendants. We are the blessed. We are the children of promise. We are Abram's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. You don't have to have very much Bible knowledge to know that that is not true at all. That's not even remotely true. In fact, what many would call the central part, point of the Old Testament, the Exodus, is all about being in bondage and coming out of bondage. This is a patent lie. They've been in bondage to Egypt. They've been in bondage to Assyria. They've been in bondage to Babylon. They've been in bondage. They are currently under Roman rule. In fact, almost every major world power since the world began, they've been in bondage to. But they are so blinded by their self-importance that they purposefully overlook reality. They purposely alter it in their minds. We are Abram's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? You are currently in bondage to Rome. Like what is going through their mind as they say this? Don't you know who we are? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. They're thinking physical bondage. Jesus is speaking spiritual bondage. That's what we read this morning in, in Ephesians 2. You were dead. You had no power. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. It's not just the Gentiles. It's not just those, those dirty people way out there. It's even you and me. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Paul spends all of Romans chapters 2 and 3 arguing that sin is not just a Gentile problem. That even Jews are sinners and even Jews need salvation. That's when we come to that famous verse in, in Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The Gentiles would sin. Yes, we'll all agree on that. But even you as Jews, you have sinned. 
Even you are under the condemnation of God. Even you need salvation. You are a slave to sin. It's exactly what Jesus is saying here as well. We are Abram's descendants. We are not in bondage. Even you are in bondage to sin. Having the same blood as Abraham does not make you free from the power of sin. You're still a sinner. Jesus is not talking about physical bondage, but spiritual. You are a slave to sin. But if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But I bring I bring freedom. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. I bring the truth, I bring freedom, and you shall know the truth, verse 33, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the Son who brings truth, who will make them free if they will believe. But they are too pretentious to admit that they are in bondage to sin. Don't you know who we are? We are Abram's descendants. Jesus goes on. I know that you are Abram's descendants. I know who you are. I know. But as we'll see, the problem is you don't know who you really are. You're not really being honest with yourself. I know who you are. I know that you're Abram's descendants. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. The truth is not at home in you because you are like your father. This starts in the next several verses where Jesus will continually say, you are like your father, your father. And they keep returning to, well, we are Abraham. We are Abraham's children. We are of Abraham. And finally, Jesus will come out and make the point, you are of your father, the devil. That's who he's speaking of here. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. I come from the father of lights, you come from the father of lies. I know who you are. I know you're the descendants of Abraham. You don't know who you are. You don't know who your real father is. You're not being honest with yourselves. Verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. Their hope is bound up in their physical relation to Abraham. This is the idea that they keep going back to. But Jesus said to them, if you were really Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. This is the same point that Paul makes in Galatians. You Gentiles have more in common with Abraham because you have the same faith as Abraham. That's what Jesus is saying here to this crowd, to these religious leaders. You have Abraham's blood, but you lack Abraham's faith. If you were really Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but you seek to kill me. You, speak to kill, you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Abraham embraced the truth when God spoke. Abraham followed God. Abraham listened. Abraham believed. 
You reject truth. You're not like Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. It's here continuing this contrast that will carry through the next several verses. You do the deeds of your father. Your works do testify to who your father is. And your works do not testify that your father is Abraham. They testify that your father is the devil. Your unbelief, your reaction to the truth reveals that you are not like Abraham. You are not like Abraham. And they said to him, well, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. That may be a stab at Jesus' virgin birth. They may be poking at him here. But we have one father. Our father is God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and come from God. Nor have I come of myself. But he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You're not able to listen to my word. You claim to be God's, but you do not accept the things of God. Your actions reveal your heart. Just as those who know the truth will live in the freedom of the truth, so those living in sin live in the bondage of sin. You are living in a lie. You're refusing. You're you're rebelling against me. You're rejecting me. And I have brought the truth. I am the truth. I speak the truth. But you don't even see it. You don't even recognize it. You're not dealing in the realm of truth. You don't understand me because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. This is where Jesus comes right out and says it. He's been hinting at it the last several verses. Now he comes right out and says it. Do you know why you can't listen to me? Do you know why you can't accept me? Do you know why you so quickly and violently reject me? Because you can't even deal in the realm of truth because you are of your father, the devil. Your father and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth. He has nothing to do with the truth. In fact, there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. The devil lies because he is a liar. He cannot tell the truth. He cannot help but lie. That's the realm in which he deals. He doesn't deal with the truth. He's a liar. He's the father of it. And your opposition to the truth reveals your relation to the father of lies. You are the people who love darkness rather than light. This is a stinging rebuke.
You are of your father, the devil. That's why you don't hear me. That's why you don't listen. That's why you don't respond. The problem is not that Jesus has not been clear enough. It's not that that Jesus hasn't preached hard enough. It's not that Jesus' message is not clear enough. The problem is that they don't want, they can't even understand. I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47, we see Jesus' very clear logic, which leads to a condemning conclusion. He who is of God hears God's words. If you are of God, you will hear God's words. You will listen to God's words. You will apply God's words because you are of God. But you do not hear God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. If you were of God, you would hear God's word. You'd respond to God's word. But you don't. And what conclusion does that lead us to? It leads us to this conclusion. You are not of God. He's not your father. Notice verse 48. Then we see the proud. They respond in pride. They respond likewise. Jesus has said, your father is the devil. And they respond and say, well, you have a demon. The Jews answered him and said to them, did we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? It's one of the greatest insults they could have given him. You are a Samaritan. You're one of those filthy animals. In fact, you are controlled by a demon. Rather than embracing the truth and humbling themselves before God, they speak up in pride. They resort to insults. Well, you're just filled with the demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Jesus says, you're, you're wrong. I'm not controlled by a demon, but I am controlled by something. I'm controlled by my Father. I don't seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. If you keep my word, you will never see death. This looks back to chapter 8, verses 21 and 24. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and will die in your sin because you cannot come. You are a sinner, and if you do not follow me, you will die in your sin. Verse 24, he repeats it twice. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You are a sinner, and there is a penalty for sin, and you will pay that penalty. You will die in your sins. You will be separated from God. But you can live in freedom. If you keep my word, you will not see death. If you keep my word, you will not die in your sins. But you will live in the truth. 
Those who reject Jesus die in their sin. Those who accept Jesus will live in the freedom of the truth. The place that thing that those have in common is Jesus. You either accept him or you reject him. And the question is, what will you do with Jesus? So then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? Are you greater than the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Their pretentious attitude. Don't you know who we are? Now we see their pridefulness. Who do you think that you are to come here and to talk to us like this? Do you think you're greater than our father Abraham? He's dead. The prophets are dead. Do you think you are greater than them? Can you offer more than they could? Who do you think that you are? This is another reason why I think in verse 33 that the they is the crowd and not those who believed in Jesus. Because if those who had believed in Jesus, they would at least believe that Jesus was a prophet or like Abraham, as had been mentioned earlier. These people don't even believe that clearly. They don't think Jesus is anything. They think he's worthless. Who do you think you are? Who are you to talk to us like this? Don't you know who we are? We are the sons of Abraham. Come to verse 54, then we see the provoked. Jesus answers them. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God, yet you have not known him. Again, that is a stinging rebuke. That's very similar to what we saw in verse 19, where Jesus says, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. This God that you say you worship, you don't even know him. Much less know me. He says that again here. You say he is your God. You say this is who you worship. You say you are his people, yet you don't even know him. You don't even know him. And you know how I know you don't know him? Because you don't know me. But I know him. I know him. I speak the truth. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. You say you know him, that makes you a liar, because you clearly don't know him. I do know him, and I will not say that I don't. It's a lie when you say that you worship God because you don't. You don't even know him. And it would be a lie for me to claim to be any less than I am. Because I am who I am, and I do know him. I do keep his word. In fact, your father, Abraham, this man who you hold in such respect, who you look up to, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. 
You ask me if I am greater than Abraham? Yes, I am. In fact, Abraham longed for my coming as promised. Abraham rejoiced in the promise that would be fulfilled, and that is fulfilled in me. Abraham looked forward to this day. Abraham longed for this day. And Abraham rejoiced knowing that this day would come. And now I stand here and you claim to be his people and you reject me. You're not his people. And your rejection of me proves that. The Jews still don't get it. They're seeking, speaking, they're, they're thinking physically. You're not yet 50 years old? Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You asked me who I am? I am. I am the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. I am the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. I am the one that the law points to. I am the one foretold by the prophets and longed for. I am the fulfillment of your feasts and your traditions. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the word made flesh. I am the creator. I am the sustainer. I am the savior. I am God. I am who I am. I am who I will be. I am who I've always been. I am God. They clearly understand exactly what Jesus had just said. In fact, maybe for the very first time, it is very crystal clear to them. And we see that in their reaction. They don't just brush it off. They take up stones to kill him. Leviticus 24, verses 10 to 16. The penalty for blasphemy is capital punishment. But it's only blasphemy if it's untrue. And this is not blasphemy because this is true. This really is I am. In fact, such a knee-jerk reaction to grab a stone shows them to be indeed who they are. It shows them to be those who love darkness, those who hate the truth. They're unwilling to honestly assess Jesus' claims they don't want the truth. In fact, as Jack Nicholson so eloquently put it, they can't handle the truth. They cannot reconcile the man before them with the Messiah of their expectations, and they choose to cling to their expectations rather than to consider the truth. He has to be lying. He has to be blaspheming because I am not willing to consider what he is saying. They jump to an extreme conclusion rather than considering the truth. And thus, the pretentious and the proud become the provoked when their pretension and their pride is challenged by the truth. Rather than react in humility, they lash out in anger. And the question this morning, the question before us all is this, how will you react? 
Will you believe or will you reject? Will you die in your sin or will you believe in Jesus and live in the freedom of the truth? You see, these religious leaders got one thing right. Jesus is either demon-possessed madman or he really is the Son of God. They were unwilling to accept the truth. What about you? Are you willing to accept the truth this morning? Are you willing to consider honestly the claims of Jesus? Or do you just react? Do you just reject? See, the reality is that you are a sinner. And there's a penalty for that sin. And the penalty for that sin is death. It is separation from God. And you will die in your sins. And you will go to hell. Because God is just. But he's also a God of grace and a God of mercy. He is just and the justifier of those who believe. So the question this morning is, will you believe? See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That comes earlier in John, John 3. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not die in their sins, but should have everlasting life, should live in the truth. The question this morning is not, what have you done with your life? The question is, what have you done with Jesus? Have you placed your faith in him alone for salvation? If you're trusting in your works, I guarantee you, these religious leaders were better than you are. And yet even they were of their father the devil. Even they, if they did not place their faith in Jesus Christ, if they did not turn from their sins, if they never humbled themselves before him, they are in hell right now. And if you were to die in your sin, you will be too. But you can be saved right now. Even today. Once you turn from your sin, once you place your faith in Christ alone for salvation, he died for you he took your penalty and he offers you life. Will you turn to Christ in humility or will you run away in your pride? Believer, are you persevering? Are you abiding in the truth? Are you growing in the truth? Are you experiencing victory over sin? Are you walking in more freedom every day? Or have you surrendered and fallen back into your old sin habits? Won't you turn again to Christ this morning, the one who has set you free? Won't you walk in freedom? Praise the Lord that God loves you enough to send his only son to die for your sins. Praise the Lord that Christ came, that he spoke the truth. And so church, I'd call you this morning to embrace the truth, love the truth, 
promote the truth. Live in the truth. Live in the freedom that is yours in Christ. Don't give in to the chains of your sin. Get up and walk away. You are free in Christ. Live in that freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. There's two groups of people here this morning. Those who are free in Christ and those who can be free. If you will just turn from your sins and turn to Christ.